Thank you, Carrie. Appreciate that. I'm going to use this. Uh, I know I'm the preacher, I'm supposed to preach a sermon, but I want to speak with you, okay, and not necessarily to you, okay, if you don't mind, all right? Well, I had thought about a lot of different stories or a way to kind of segue into what I'm going to talk about, but man, nothing serves better than what Team Kenya just went through. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for what you did, man. Awesome. For stepping out. You made some very profound points about what you learned and, and how God struck your heart with compassion and to administer grace to those people over there. That's a testimony, you know. And I had my rock. Actually, it was last Sunday night, Bill and I led the service at Highland Home, and I had taken a rock from, you know, I had it in my pocket, and I gave it away because we talked about you guys last Sunday night. So I gave my rock away, but I found another one. So all week long, I had my rock. That was awesome to think about that. Well, th there's been a couple really cool points made in the songs, the worship songs that we sang today about Amazing Grace. And in that song, Amazing Grace, we even sung about how in the future we're going to uh, dwell in the face of God or, at the end of the day. Um, Team Kenya exemplified the ability to step out of the worldly affairs. You know, everybody has lives, busy lives, affairs. I know, Christy, you've got a family and, and things going on. And Denise, you work at, where's she at? You work at the United Stationers, right? So you've got a life, you've got busy things going on. But you guys chose to set those things aside and invest yourself in a deeper aspect of life that, that God has, has constructed here for us to live in, okay? And what I want to do with you today is kind of do the same thing. I, I want to take a broader look at this life that God has created and how we fit into what he's doing from the beginning to the end. Because Bill has been doing a, a talk on Ephesians. Uh, he just finished that up a week or two ago, a, a study of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. And he always talked about the first three chapters um, exemplified what Christ, it described what Christ did for us, okay? all the great promises that had been fulfilled, the great salvation that he bestowed upon us, some, some great spiritual phenomenon took place with Christ. And in the last three chapters, talked about how to execute or live on those, okay? I want to step back at the beginning of creation, and I want to try to bring the whole Bible together into one piece, of which what, what Team Kenya exemplified and what the study of Ephesians talks about to pull it all together, okay? Now, this is going to be high level, okay? I, uh, forgive me, because uh, I, I want to go deep. I want to dive in and go on rabbit trails. <laughs> so forgive me if I start that. Somebody shake me and say, no, we don't have time for that, Rick. No. Uh, but this, this is some, what, I, what I'd like to talk about is the administrations of God. There are actually eight administrations from the beginning of creation to the end of Revelation, near where Christy quoted from in Scripture uh, in Revelation chapter 22. There's eight administrations or eight dispensations. They are, uh, an administration is a way that God works or operates or associates with mankind. And that, the ways God 
um, works with, communicates with, associates with mankind has changed from the moment that he created the heaven and the earth to the time ultimately when, as the Amazing Grace song said, we will be with him face to face in a new glorified form, a new heaven, and a new earth is where we'll eventually wind up. Okay? So I'd like to kind of summarize those uh, for you to bring the whole scriptures together. It's going to be, got your Bibles ready? Does anybody have a, everybody have a Bible? Actually, this Bible here was given to me by my grandfather uh, in 1988. He died in the year 2000. But he's still got his uh, signature in here to, uh, to Rick Scoggins by Frank and Bessie Wrench, May 23rd, 1988. And uh, remember him fondly. But the magic isn't in this book itself. The magic is in the information, the truth that's expressed by the writing, right? So if everybody's got a Bible, get ready. And we're going to uh, take a little whirlwind tour of the scriptures and tie together what, what God is doing why are we here? What's the purpose for us, aside from all the worldly affairs we have to contend with each and every day? So, um, like I said, a dispensation and administration is a period of time in which God works with man in certain ways, and it changes due to man's behavior or because God wants to, to further this process that we're in. He wants to make a shift in that process and mature us farther towards his ultimate end, and that ultimate end is for him to reconcile mankind back to himself, okay? So the first administration, and if you look in your bulletins, I've got an outline, I think, right? The, the first administration is the first earth, okay? And the reason it's, under, the reason it's important to understand this is I, I think many of us, we, we kind of get sidetracked from what God is doing on a broader sense by a lot of the busyness and affairs we do in the world every day. We go to school, we have to fix lunch, we have jobs, we have kids, sports events, and all these type of things. Great things to invest in, but I think that tends to distract us from what is really going on underneath on this platform. So God started this platform of heaven and earth in the very beginning, Genesis 1-1, right? Genesis 1.1 said, He created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now in my New Testament, or my uh, NIV translation, it refers to that word was in the second verse, and it says, or possibly became. The verb in the original, the older transcripts, um, refers to the idea that the, in the beginning God created the heavens and earth in some form, and then it became void and dark. Kind of implies that before that time, before it became formless and dark and void, it was something else, and then it became dark and void, okay? There's some theories about that. I'm, I'm not settled on really what that is. There's not any information here given about what the first earth was like before it became void and dark and, and, and that. And there's also some controversial theories about the young earth theories. If you ever read some of the scientific stuff, which is pretty fascinating, where 
scientists are really proclaiming and with good evidence that the earth is not as old as what the evolutionists and the scientists claim it to be. But there's a lot of debate about that. I'm not going to open that box. <laughs> but the truth of scripture is that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and that was the first earth. That's the first administration. Then he created mankind, Adam and Eve. We all know the story of Adam and Eve. Who, who's not heard the story of Adam and Eve? Anybody? Okay. So God created man in his own image. Um, Adam and Eve were, were them. He created them in body, soul, and spirit. And what's important to realize is that when he created man, he created or he made them a living being. If you look in Genesis, it says he made them a living being. He breathed life into their nostrils. And this constituent called blood that flows through our veins is a very vital component of life, of the life that we have. Not only physical life, but the spiritual life. And there's, there's constituents in our blood that contribute to the image of God in which he created us. So he made us a living being, breathed life into our nostrils, and blood supports that soul life that we have but he also created us in his image. That makes us unique from any other flesh, birds, uh, any other animals. Human beings are unique in the type of flesh we have, the type of blood we have, the type of, of soul life that we have. Because God intended for us to be his treasure. We are his masterpiece. You'll see that expressed in the scriptures. That's, he, he finds us to be extremely valuable, okay? So that's his, his, his purpose is to pay attention to us, his masterpiece. So God planted a garden with good food and rivers and invited man to work it. He ended, and this, this administration ended with the sin of Adam and Eve. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, that, that arrangement between God and man, the way he worked with them was broken because they, they didn't follow God's conditions or qualifications. So that administration was broken. That we then entered into the Father's administration. Adam and Eve was thrown out of the garden. They were forced to fend for themselves. God dismissed himself from involvement with them uh, intimately like it was. He had to because God is holy. Okay? He's pure. He cannot exist in the company of sin. He had to separate himself. So when he separated himself, man was on their own, and he evolved. Man evolved, um, not evolved, I'm going to use that word very carefully. He matured and populated the earth and began to grow. Adam and Eve had kids, and, it, and the earth became populated. Um, as that happened, if you look in Genesis chapter 6, the earth became so wicked that God regretted ever creating the earth to the point where he allowed a flood to wipe everything out and start over and only preserved Noah and his family to start over again. And that's where he made a covenant. He made an agreement with Noah at that time and said, you know what, I'm never going to flood this earth again. And that's where we get the rainbow, right? When we see a rainbow, that's the sign of that covenant that God made with Noah that he'll never flood that earth again. So God started in this process of creating the heaven and earth, populating it with humankind under a certain agreement. That agreement was broken by Adam and Eve, so we had to go into a new administration, the, the, uh, what I call the Father's administration. And in that Father's administration, man became so wicked that he wiped the earth out, 
made a covenant with Noah and said, okay, I'm not going to do that again, so Noah, start over, <laughs> all right? Okay, so Noah started over and we and populated the earth, and we, we evolve into um, the patriarchs, or the fathers is what they say, the patriarchs. These are people who rose up to believe in God. God worked with them, but not in and through them like he does today. Again, keep in mind, when you go to interpret Scripture, at that time, we were in a different administration. God was working with people in a different way. We're going to get to it in a few minutes, but we're now in the grace administration. God operates with us today in a different way than he did with Abraham and the patriarchs and the fathers. God made himself known to the patriarchs and fathers. He worked with them and guided them, and they chose to believe out of their, their own will, okay? But, but uh, not in the same way we do today. And, and I'm going to spend some time on the grace administration. We sung about amazing grace. Christy talked about grace. What is that religious term? Let's, we'll get into that pretty soon. But the patriarchs... Uh, Abraham evolved out of that. Abraham is an essential figure in establishing the nation of Israel who God has chosen as his people. Why he chose them, it's, it's not known, but the nation of Israel is his chosen people. Okay, and, and he started that nation through Abraham. And he cut a covenant with Abraham in this father's administration. And it was a blood covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15 and 17. Um. This was a unique love relationship between mankind and his created people. It was not an agreement of equals. Usually, like a contract or a legal document or an arrangement or an agreement is between parties that are equal. It may be something that dictates how we exchange goods. It may be something about protections, about maintaining peace between two countries or something like that. But this was an extraordinary covenant because this was not a covenant between two equals. It was God, the creator, reaching down, talking about grace, stooping down, and offering an arrangement with mankind to even exist. God's the creator. He did not have to even allow humankind to exist if they were going to continue to break his covenant. He didn't have to. But he's choosing to. So he reached down with Abraham and established a blood covenant. And this blood covenant of Abraham is critical. And we need to see ourselves, and I'll show you, we need to see ourselves today as parties of this blood covenant of Abraham. This is not Old Testament stuff that went away with the Old Testament and Christ. This is still active. The blood covenant was the, um, the, the, the premise for the law that Moses eventually provided to the nation of Israel. The law did not establish the covenant. I think that gets confusing sometimes. Some people think, well, Moses gave the law. At that time, the covenant or the arrangement or agreement between uh, God and, and mankind started. No, that started the law administration. It started a new way that God uh, uh, communicated with or associated with mankind. But the covenant came first. The blood covenant was struck with Abraham. Okay? <clears throat> And also, a, a blood, blood covenant is uh, it's irrevocable. You know, sometimes you hear these legal documents about creating an irrevocable trust. Has anybody got one of those? Went to a lawyer, fill out some paper, and you, 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 you nest all of your assets underneath the, the name of this trust, okay? And no one else can touch it. It's legally off-bounds, okay? It's, it's a very strict arrangement. It's a contract. 
It's irrevocable. It can never be changed by anybody. This blood covenant is a special type of covenant that's irrevocable by man or God. And when you mingle blood together in the way that Abraham did with God in establishing this covenant in Genesis 15 and 17, it's a very serious binding covenant, okay? And the blood, like I told you before, this, this amazing constituent called blood that runs through our veins that mankind cannot manufacture today because we still have to harvest it from people because we can't make it, right? It's very special. Um, that blood is a very critical agent that bound each party in this agreement to honor the conditions of the covenant at all costs, even death. Okay? A blood covenant is not like a prenuptial agreement that's done in, in a marriage that somebody, if on a whim, they can break and there's no consequence. You break God's blood covenant, there's going to be consequences. And the nation of Israel experienced that time and time and time again. After this covenant was established with Abraham, okay, Abraham's generations evolved to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and the nation of, he, of, of Israel... Um, after it was started with Abraham, wound up settling in Egypt because of uh, famine in the, land, in the Palestine region in the, in the Middle East. And the, the, these Hebrew people, the, the Jewish people, nation of Israel, had settled in, in Egypt. And if you look in scriptures, I think it's uh, Exodus chapter 12, it indicates that, that uh, the Hebrew nation existed there for 430 years. And we all know the story of the abuse that they were experiencing there. Has anybody ever seen uh, The Ten Commandments by uh, Cecil B. DeMille, that movie, with Charlton Heston in it? Oh, I love that. That's a great movie. I don't think it's necessarily biblically accurate. They, I think it took a little dramatic license here or there. But, but we're all probably f pretty familiar with that Exodus story about the nation of Israel from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph wound up in Egypt. 430 years, and then Moses came into play, right? Moses came into play, rescued those people through the plagues, rescued them out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, all that miraculous stuff, okay? God was, God was maintaining his covenant, his blood covenant with his people. He was, he was bringing them out of bondage. He was bringing them into that land of milk and honey, in, into that land of Canaan where he promised Abraham would be his as well as the generations of Abraham would be his. So he's, he's following through on the plan. So he's bringing them out, and then after he gets them out, Moses then establishes the law, right? Moses goes up on the mountain. He gets the tablets. The law is made. The books of, Deuteron uh, books of Leviticus, Exodus and Levit Leviticus outline that law, that Mosaic law. And that was an attempt for God to establish for people, hey, here, here's how to maintain your, your part, your side of this agreement. They didn't really know what sin was. Law revealed what they're doing wrong, okay? And said, here, you, here's the Ten Commandments, and then here's the law, all this stuff you've got to do so that I can continue to abide with you, okay? And that eventually... The Hebrew nation broke that law. They still didn't keep it, keep it up. So, so God had to establish a priesthood through which atonement through the blood sacrifices was given to, to continually wash that sin so that God can continue associating with them through the, through the priests of the priesthood and, and for him to protect and, and nurture his chosen people, his nation of Israel, right? So we came out of 
the father's administration and the patriarchs in Egypt, Moses rescued them in and delivered the law. So we evolved into the law administration. Now the prophets after Moses in the Old Testament, if you take from Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, then you look at Chronicles or some First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Kings, Judges. They are historical types of records of, of how the nation of Israel, after their wanderings in the desert, set, desert, settled into the land of Palestine and generations evolved. Generations of people, generations of the nation of Israel evolved. And a lot of the prophets and things were kept warning Israel, like, dudes, you are messing up. You're not following God's law. God's, God spoke through his prophets and said, you're doing this wrong. Think ahead. He, the, the prophets were also saying, look ahead at Christ. They were giving a lot of messages about Christ and the, the new covenant that was coming and especially the end times in the new heaven and the new earth because Daniel is, 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 is very, a very substantial Old Testament writing that justifies what's in Revelation. A lot of the timing of the tribulation, the judgments and things leading up to the new heaven and new earth is justified in the book of Daniel. So all those Old Testament people kept warning Israel. And Israel kept experiencing uh, wrath and judgment. For example, in 70 AD, with the destruction of Jerusalem. In 70 AD, the uh, nation of Israel, the Jerusalem was destroyed, and they got exiled to Babylon. Like the book of Nehemiah and stuff, in that time was centered around that event of, of Israel uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, Israel being exiled, and then eventually coming back into their nation. So all of that kind of stuff happened in the Old Testament. Um, and if you'll look with me in the scriptures, I'll, I will take, take a time and look at, well, I want to show you one thing. If you go to First Peter, I think. First Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Okay? It says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care. They're talking about these prophets who kept talking to the nation of Israel on behalf of God. God spoke to the nation through them, warning them, saying, hey, here's what's going on. You know, they were trying to figure it out. They weren't given enough information to really know everything, that how it was all going to unravel. So the prophets who spoke of the grace that was, was to come to you eventually searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that, they have, that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. So what these prophets were explaining, they themselves did not know to the greatest detail what was going to happen. They, 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 they realized the spirit of Christ that was, that was being in this message, but they didn't know about how it was going to unravel. Their, the work they did and the messages they portrayed was given for our benefit. So now we can look back and we can understand what they were doing. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 warns us. Chapter 10 verse 1. It says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud, 
talking about this cloud that followed the nation of Israel as they were brought out of Egypt in that Exodus story. God protected them. And that they all passed through the sea, the Red Sea, the parting of the Red Sea, right? And then on, uh, on uh, Bruce Almighty, did you ever see the Bruce Almighty movie where he, he's God and he goes into the restaurant and he's got his bowl of tomato soup there and he's like, he's become God and he's, ah, and the, the soup parts, you know, I think it's pretty cool, but... So the parting of the Red Sea, they all, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. So even their activities was based on the, the, not just the idea, the person, the reality of Jesus Christ then. Verse 6, now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things like they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. We should not commit these things, okay? The, these, in 11, these things that happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. That fulfillment of the ages has now come to us in the grace administration. I haven't gotten there quite yet. I'm still talking about the Father's administration with the prophets. But this is what the prophets saw. They saw it coming, and now we're at a time in the grace administration where we need to look at back at what they did, and man, don't, don't do the same thing. Hebrews in chapter 3 continually refers to the nation of Israel as hard-hearted, defiant people. They just would not buy, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be obedient. They wouldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They didn't have the capacity to do it because they didn't have the spiritual luxuries that we have today, which we're going to get into. I'm building up to that, the grace administration, because that's where we are. So we had <clears throat> Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, nation of Israel, and Egypt, 430 years. Moses brings them out establishes the law and the law administration. People keep breaking it, so they've got to administer the priesthood and the blood sacrifices, the atonement. And from that, it evolves festivals and everything else that the, that, that the Jewish people centered around this blood covenant with God in the law administration. <clears throat> now, it's been, uh, what is it, the last Old Testament book, Micah, right? He was the last prophet. There was a 400-year gap between Micah and the first writings of the New Testament, uh, which was began in about 50 A.D. or so. I think Mark was probably one of the first uh, first books of the Gospels, first books of the new uh, of the Bible that we have today in 50 A.D. So there's about 400 years space there. And now um, Christ comes on the scene. The next one is the administration of Jesus the Christ. And I've heard Bill explain this many times too. And I, I want to make sure we understand Christ is not Jesus's last name. Okay? Christ is a title. It's who Jesus Christ, it's who Jesus, the, the Jesus who is the Christ, that's who he was, was the Christ, the chosen one. Okay? The Messiah, the Savior. Because when, when, uh, when, when mankind kept breaking the law, and the blood, we, we, we couldn't and we weren't honoring the blood covenant of Abraham, we kept failing at that. <clears throat> We had to have, God had to have some means to create a new covenant, a new blood covenant to, to reposition us now in a new administration, a new dispensation, a new way of working with us to where he, 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 we, we could advance in this, in this path towards being ultimately reconciled with him, okay? 
that's the purpose Jesus Christ served in the administration of Jesus the Christ. Um, the old covenant was the basis on which the new covenant under Christ was established. Jesus the Christ cut a new blood covenant between God and Israel. As the old covenant was sealed with circumcision, circumcision was a sign that something Abraham and the nation of Israel had to do to, keep, to, to, to represent their part of the blood covenant was to be circumcised. Okay? God's part of the blood covenant was recognized by the slaughtering of animals. And that blood was mingled okay, to create the covenant. <clears throat> the old covenant was sealed with circumcision. The new covenant is sealed with the new birth. Okay, what are we talking about, new birth? Was it in John chapter 3 or, uh, where um, there was a... Uh, who was it in John? Nicodemus. Nicodemus, yes. Nicodemus was asking those questions to Christ. And you can look in John chapter 3 because Nicodemus is asking the same questions like, new birth, what is that? I, I can't go back into my mother's womb and, and come back out again. What are you talking about, new birth? Okay. That's what's so cool about the grace administration and that, that what, what, what Christ is beginning to establish in this administration of Jesus Christ. He's setting us up for the grace administration. Okay? So this new birth that's going to happen, and I'll explain that here in just a minute. I can't wait to get to the grace administration. How much time do I have? Okay. So the, the, the contrast between the Old Covenant and New Covenant, a couple of them. The Old Covenant had the Levitical priesthood through which they administered the blood sacrifices for atonement and all, uh, uh, and all of that sacrificial system. In the New Covenant, you had Jesus Christ as the high priest, right? In the Old Covenant, you had the temple. God told the nation of Israel how to construct the temple. temple actually had... Uh, barriers or, or divisions that prevented Gentiles from entering certain areas of the temple that only Jews could go. And it also had a, a divider or an apron that prevented anybody from entering into the Holy of Holies where God himself resides. Nobody could enter in there. In fact, they said that priests who would um, execute certain rituals and enter into the temple and they had, once a year, had to go into the Holy of Holies to burn incense and perform certain things they had to put a rope on their foot because if they did something wrong and they died, nobody else could go in there and get them. They had to pull them out. I mean, you're talking serious stuff, <laughs> okay? So in the Old Testament, you had the Levitical priest, I'm um, sorry, you had uh, the physical temple with all those barriers and divisions where God dwelt. In the New Covenant, that veil was broken. We become the temple of God where, where God resides in us me, that's, that's a, a hugely profound truth and a huge idea that God, that we are God's temple. The New Testament in many places talks about how we should treat ourselves because of that fact. We, we, you know? So um, the administration of Jesus Christ with his death and resurrection, um, when, when he died and his blood was spilled, a new blood covenant was cut. And... We moved into the grace administration now, in the resurrection of Christ. Because with the resurrection of Christ came the new birth. Born again, meaning that the old nature, our old nature, is replaced with a godly nature. Okay? Uh, I, I take that back. Not replaced. It is, it is 
as Christy said, living water. It, we, we become alive. Our spirit becomes alive with that gift of Holy Spirit because our sinful nature is still there, but we're quickened with, with God's life inside of us, in our heart, in our being. There's a spiritual transaction that takes place now in the New Covenant, whereas before it was more of a written transaction that people had to abide by. Now a spiritual trans take, transaction takes place where we become alive with, in, in Christ, in, with the Holy Spirit, the gift of Holy Spirit. And that's where we get into the mystery. Because the next administration is the grace administration of the great mystery. Is, is anybody who, who's done, read about the Bible or been to vacation Bible school or anything, family groups or whatever, has anybody ever talked about the mystery? Anybody familiar with that term, the mystery? Okay, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Because this mystery is profound, and it's something that was not revealed, just as First Peter um, mentioned about the prophets, it was not revealed to them, but it has been revealed to us. We are special in this grace administration. I don't think we understand or realize how special and privileged we are as sons of God in the new administration for those of us who accept Christ as our master. Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> Paul says in verse 2, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace. There it is. The grace administration that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So that mystery is being revealed now. Okay? We have the capacity to operate in the mind of Christ with the gift of Holy Spirit. Okay? That down deposit, that promise that we're going to make it to that new heaven and new earth, and we're going to exist with God forever in His presence. This is profound stuff, guys. This goes far above and beyond uh, my promotion at Express Scripts uh, you know, to a grade level K and a $10,000 bonus every year because we just merged with a great company and all that. Okay, great stuff. Doesn't mean hill of beans when it comes to establishing myself in this course of life that God has established <clears throat> that at the end of the day, Express Scripts ain't going to be around. Okay? That entity, that corporation, who knows, it could, it could fail in this world long before that event ever happens. I cannot put my trust in Express Scripts to secure my destiny, okay? Nor can any of you, a job or money or even other human beings. As great as family is, okay? I love our family. I just had my first granddaughter four weeks ago. Just love her to pieces and my daughters. My youngest daughter, Lauren's going to college in a month. Just had my first granddaughter and now my oldest daughter's you know, getting married, and yeah, you know, just like, wow, all good stuff. And those are things to find a lot of fulfillment in, reward in, invest my time to take care of them for the purposes of grace, administering grace and compassion, teaching them to, uh, about God's way. But my destiny is not secured in the disposition of my family or any other human being. It's, it's right here. It's in the mystery the mystery is Christ in you, okay? 
This mystery is, and I'm picking up back in 6, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. So now, what used to be the promise to Israel in the blood covenant only, used to be, okay, and the Gentiles were alienated from it. We were not a part of that covenant, okay? Now, in the grace administration, God is making us one. Gentiles are basically non-Jews. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. How many Gentiles are out here? Oh, so there's a lot of Jews. Okay, all right. Well, I guess I'm talking to Jews. Okay, so, <clears throat> so there's Gentiles, and then there's you guys, Jews. You're all Jews, okay? So all you Jews are now uh, uh, it, together as one with me and us other Gentiles, okay, together. We're a part of the promise now. Okay, take a look at Galatians chapter 3. I'm sorry, no, that's, yes, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Now we're, we're into the grace administration now, the great mystery. This is where we are today. Verse 26, you are all, let's see, let me back up to 23, 23. Before this, faith came. We were held prisoners by the law, the Mosaic law. We were all held prisoners by that law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law has put in charge, was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Now, um, the, the, the thing... That we have, that we have, that what we contribute into the blood covenant now to, to fulfill our part is believing. Okay? We don't have to follow the rules of the law. They're there. Christ fulfilled them. They're not obsolete. But now in this new administration, in the new way that God works with us in mankind, we now approach him on, in, on faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 10.9. If you believe in Jesus Christ uh, as God's Son and that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10.9, it's right there. If you believe, that's that faith component. That fulfills our obligation to the blood covenant now. And if you go to 26, verse 26, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, not the law. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Neither, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Jesus. All you Jews out there and us Gentiles, we're all one in Christ. No more barrier. The enmity that was created between God's promises and the nation of Israel and the rest of the world is now, is now gone. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That promise was established in the blood covenant with Abraham. We are now a part of that blood covenant with Abraham that has been newly established and superseded with the blood covenant of Jesus Christ when we stand in faith in Jesus Christ and approach God on those terms. If we try to approach God on any other terms, even if we make up our own, it's not, he will not accept that covenant. It will not be accepted. You may not realize that there may not necessarily be consequences in your life for not accepting that covenant today. But 
And I'm going to take you, just real quick, you don't have to follow me, but I'm going to take you a little excerpt out of Acts 17. Said verse 29, Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design or skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and that man's Jesus Christ. If you look at John chapter 5, it's Jesus Christ who will judge on behalf of God. Jesus Christ is the judge. He has given proof to this to all men by raising him from the dead. Okay? God's not going to put up with any more of that ignorance. He has established himself through the new birth, the gift of Holy Spirit. He's given us the gift of faith. We have no excuse for not understanding these things that were a part of Abraham's seed in the blood covenant. We, we have an obligation to fulfill that blood covenant at all costs, even to death itself. And if we don't, we will die. Okay, that's what's going to happen, and we're going to talk about that. There's two more administrations to come that lays before us. And believe me, when you die the second death, as Revelation chapter 22 says, there is no more, and you will enter into a place where there is much weeping and gnashing of teeth. You will be to totally abandoned from God. You will live alone, and I cannot imagine... For, for, what God, for how God has made me realize the contribution he makes to, to our survival and thriving today by just giving us a planet where we, with 21% oxygen where we can breathe and maintaining a sun 93 million miles away so that I don't burn to death or freeze to death, that I'm even able to exist. Um, I can't imagine what life would be without, totally without that influence. Um, I guess some people may find out. So if we take a look at Colossians. Let's talk one more time about the, the Christ in you, the mystery. I want to I get this mystery idea in, in, into you really full. Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. This is Paul talking to the people of Colossae. He says, I have become its servant, the servant of Christ, the servant of that gospel, of this truth. He has become... I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, which is what I'm attempting to do right now. In its fullness, this is the word of God. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, this glorious mystery is, Christ in you. The hope of glory. Jesus Christ himself, God himself, the living God, almighty, El Shaddai, Holy Spirit, exists in me because I have accepted Jesus Christ as my master and savior on the terms of the blood covenant. And I swear I'm going to honor that blood covenant. Now, I cannot do that fully in this, in this tent of flesh, Okay, still have the sinful nature. Romans chapter 7, is Lori here? Romans chapter 7. There's a, still a contention between the flesh nature and the new spiritual, spiritual nature. But it's not winning anymore. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, Paul says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but one of power and self-control, if we tap into it. All we've got to do is, is, is have a piece of this knowledge and accept and believe Jesus Christ as God's Son, and you will experience the new birth. 
the quickening of life through the Holy Spirit, you will be empowered and you will be a part of Abraham's seed in the blood covenant and your life will be restored or preserved forever. But we have to do it on God's terms, not our terms. You can't sit back and ignore these truths, not invest. 1 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved, a workman under God who's not, who is not ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Right? 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We have to make an investment. 1 Peter chapter, 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, the promises of the blood covenant, so that through them we may participate in the divine nature. There it is, the new birth. Because of, of what Christ did, we can actually participate in the divine nature. It's not that we become God, but God imparts his wisdom, his spirit, his life, that living water flows in us, giving us life, okay? So that through, uh, we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, we have to make an effort here, guys. We have to make an effort to add to this faith, this gift of faith by which we've been saved. Add to that faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, it doesn't say if you possess them, you're good. We've got to keep building them. If in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why does knowledge wane? Why does knowledge wail out here? Why do people not have knowledge? They're not investing to build godliness, knowledge, brotherly kindness, love. They're not, we're not exercising. Rather, <clears throat> I think we're watching TV, we're playing video games, we're chasing our kids around at all the sports events, which is good stuff, but it tends to compromise our commitment to the blood covenant, which is ultimately where all of our life affairs should rest. That this, that this blood covenant path, these courses of administrations that's occurring should dominate our, our perspective, our priority. While at the same time, doing what we need to do, take care of our kids and enjoy those times, enjoy all those blessings that God has given us. Good stuff, you know. Hobbies, recreation, work. Hey, we're doing some great stuff at Express Scripts. We just merged with Medco about three months ago and we've got new, you know, we're putting robots in over at Indianapolis. We're, they've got a site out at Las Vegas now, which I'm dying to go visit that one in Las Vegas. That'll be cool. That'll be fun. <laughs> so, what, you shaking your head? Don't like Las Vegas? <laughs> okay. But there's, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on in Las Vegas. So... But all that stuff, you know, you can entertain yourself with the things of this world, but what's got to dominate your focus and perspective is th these administrations where we're going. Okay, enough of the mystery. 
We've talked about the barrier between the nation of, of Israel and the Gentiles is broken down. We're all one nation under God. Now we have some of the gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Now that we have the, the gift of Holy Spirit, we have the capacity to manifest or make known that Holy, Holy, uh, that Holy Spirit through nine manifestations. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, working of miracles, uh, gifts of healing. Uh, there's nine of them in there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have that. We have uh, the gift of Holy Spirit itself to counsel us, to, to convict us, to empower. Um, we have God's Word to study. So now that we're in this administration of grace, we're going to hang here for a while. Uh, as soon as all of God's sons are delegated and... Uh, everyone who is, is believing, who God desires to believe, as soon as that comes to fruition, then we're going to transition into the next administration. God's going to change again how he's working with mankind. This is coming in the future. <clears throat> and this is the appearing administration. This is what the book of Revelation, beginning at chapter 1 up through tw uh, chapter 21, up to the final judgment, uh, as well as the book of Daniel, and in some expert excerpts in Matthew 24 and Mark 13, all talk about uh, this, this maturing of the earth in this grace administration. It's, it's like groaning in childbirth. It's like a little baby inside of a woman's stomach is, 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 is growing, and it's, it's starting to get hurt, hurting, man. It's getting big. It's about ready to come out. And believe me, Kaylee, she... She was very uncomfortable, uh, my oldest daughter. She was very uncomfortable those last couple weeks of, of childbirth. Boy, she had, her belly was real big. She couldn't get comfortable. Backache. Oh, man, she was growing, and she was ready for that thing to, to get out of there. And eventually it did. In the same way, this earth is, going to, is, is experiencing those same types of growing pains, maturing pains. And uh, like I said, look in uh, Matthew chapter 24, Mark 13, you can... Study that on your own. It's pretty fascinating, too. Eventually, Christ is going to reappear. Thus, the appearing administration, Christ is going to reappear. The rapture, the tribulation, the 10,000 years, um, uh, of uh, all the wrath, uh, all the judgments, the bold judgments, and all that kind of stuff is going to take place. Uh, but, but we're going to be partnering with Christ after that 10,000 years, and then a, a judgment is going to take place. And I'll bet you a lot of folks, and I, I found this fascinating too, I, I've heard people, some, some, even some friends, who don't buy into this truth. They classify Christianity as a religion. Uh, it's fantasy, fairy tale. No guy could ever be swallowed up by a fish for three days and survive. Flood, earth can be flooded. Uh, I've debated. I've debated those per, those people with scientific facts on the on the sonic, ultrasonic testing they've done on the Black Sea to find out that, uh, and in that area where they did find evidence of a cataclysm and the possibility that waters from the Mediterranean did, did flood that area of the Earth, but they don't necessarily like those types of facts. They're they're kind of settled into no, you can't can't do that. It's all fantasy. But. Uh, I've seen people hold that type of position where they just don't buy Christianity as something real. But if you look in Revelation chapter 20, let's see, let's, let's go there. Revelation 
I'll see Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and whom, him who was seated on it, earth and sky, fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. This includes believers and non-believers. I've heard people say, well, I'm not, when, when I'm dead, I'm done, no more consciousness, uh, I'll be no more. Uh, even if you're an unbeliever, you're going to be judged. You're going to be raised to a consciousness as an unbeliever, and you're going to face that judgment. And then, if you are not in that book of life, if you have not held to that blood covenant faithfully through faith in the name and authority of Jesus Christ before God Almighty, if you have not done that, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And there's other excerpts in the scriptures that talk, uh, reference the lake of fire as being a place, again, where there's much weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's even uh, stories about uh, this, this chasm. There's descriptions about this chasm between this place and, and, uh, and heaven the second, second heaven, new heaven, new earth, that will never be able to be crossed. So that's the appearing administration. Christ appears, the, the judgments, the tribulation, all those things. Judgment occurs, okay? Those in the book of life are, are glorified. We're, given a new, we're, we're newly created in a spiritual form, ready to exist with God forever, and the unbelievers thrown into the lake of fire. That's... The end of verse 20. Now can we come to the new administ- the last administration. Now God changes again. The judgment has happened. The dead have been thrown in the lake of fire. Now God steps into the final course of this meal right here. Okay? And that final one is the everlasting glory and paradise administration. And it begins in verse 1 of chapter 21, Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. That's why we call it the new heaven and new earth. This earth as we know it will be totally wiped in some fashion. And it will, a new heaven and new earth will be constructed where those of us who have honored the blood covenant in the name of Christ will exist with God forever on the new heaven and new earth in a glorified form. And those who did not will exist in, in lake of fire. Something that was interesting to me in, verse, in chapter 21, some of the characteristics of this new heaven and new earth were really cool in that uh, it said, uh, chapter 22, Then the angel showed me the rivers of water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down to the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are no longer, uh, are for, I'm sorry, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. So the curse that God administered on the sin of Abraham, uh, sin of Adam and Eve, is, be, is going to be lifted. No more curse on this earth. 
No longer will there be uh, any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. And the angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. And it's going to happen after the appearing administration in the new heaven and new earth. And we're not given any, at least in, in this scripture, what's going to happen beyond that point. If there's other changes, I don't know. But I don't care because I'll be in the face of God, face to face with him and still trusting him. Okay, So, in closing, just real quick, so what? Ricky just went through all that, uh, technical stuff, some of it, read some scripture, talked about covenants and agreements and legal things. And So what? What's it mean to me? I mean, that's something you're going to have to decide. I have done my best to represent to you God's word from his scripture. This I consider an authority that defines truth, just as the angel said, in Revelation, this, these words are trustworthy and true, and they will come to, to pass. If you don't respect this writing as truth, um, that's the decision you're going to have to make. It's something you're going to have to decide. I am more than happy to sit down and talk with anyone more about what I've talked about here or other themes or other topics so that you do understand that we can all obtain the knowledge that we need to secure our position with God in the blood covenant and realize who we are. We are sons of God in the, the seeds of Abraham, part of a blood covenant of Abraham that's been revived through the blood covenant of Jesus Christ, and we, we, we are the temple of God. God himself exists in us. We have the power to operate with the mind of Christ and conquer. Okay, That's where we should live, and that's what I encourage you to live. So... All right? So if we could, um, again, uh, me or any of the leaders would love an opportunity to sit down with you, email on the bulletins, on the, the cards, the bulletin sheets, is the email, phone number of all of us on the leadership team. And all of us, we simply want you to be equipped to have that relationship with God that, that uh, would not only make your life thrive now, but all the way through all eight, the other two administrations that's coming. Okay, that's our desire. It's, it's, it's not necessarily to make our church pretty and get more people and make more money. Okay, it's, it's about God. So welcome that. Okay, let me have a closing prayer and then I'll let you go. <laughs>